tell you what, uh, all our veterans, would you stand if you've served uh, in the armed forces? All our veterans, stand up. Don't be ashamed. Amen. Let's just go to God in prayer real quick. Father, we come to you at this time. We do thank you, Father, first of all, for Jesus Christ who gave his life for us that we may have eternal life. And we thank you for those that we celebrate in this Memorial Day weekend for, Father, who has paid the ultimate sacrifice in order that we will have the freedoms we have to worship you and assemble together without fear of persecution, to where we can just give you a praise, honor, and glory. So we just pray for the families of each one who has lost a loved one as a result of the desire to protect this great nation that you've blessed us with. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17. Want to answer a question today, why a blood sacrifice? That's a question many people have, you know. You know, what, what's the significance of the blood? And why must there have been a blood sacrifice? In Leviticus chapter 17, you know, the Bible tells us this in verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. What God is saying is he has given blood upon the altar in order that you and I can experience eternal life in Jesus Christ. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. You know, today is kind of unique because it's the day that we normally do our Lord's Supper, but it's also the day that Memorial Day falls on the same weekend. And there's a saying that says, only two defining forces have ever offered to die for you. The one being Jesus Christ, who died for your soul. The other being the American soldier who died for your freedom. And how true that is. Today we honor both of them. We honor the American patriot who has given their life so that we can worship the very one who gave his life for our sins. You know, there's not much that gets under my skin. You know, Debbie will tell you I'm a pretty easygoing guy. Not too much gets me upset. Not too much gets me excited. But there's only two things that really can get under my skin uh, in a heartbeat. You know, one, the first one is... When I hear somebody curse the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or when I hear them use His name in a blaspheming way. As He's the very one who gave His life that makes it possible for them to escape a devil's hell. And then they want to have the audacity to curse Him or use His name in vain. That'll get under my skin real quick. The other thing that can get under my skin real quick is when I see these anti-American radical thugs burn the American flag. And yes, I look at them as anti-American radical thugs. thugs. You know, or when I see people kneel when the American flag is presented, that can get under my skin. When I see people protest and, and they burn the American flag, that gets under my skin 
Because it's the American flag that drapes the coffins of those who have given their lives so these idiots can have the freedom they have to show disrespect for the very one who has died for them. Those two things get under my skin. You know, as big as a football fan as I am, and I'm a pretty big football fan, I didn't watch not one down of football last year because of the stand that the NFL did not take in telling these anti-American sports stars that they had to stand for the national anthem. They allowed them to kneel. In fact, they encouraged them to kneel. In fact, Roger Goodell, you know, the, you know, who's over the NFL, come and apologize for not doing it sooner. God forbid. You can think what you want. But I have a right to think that it was a slap in the face to our American soldiers and every person who has ever died and the family of every person who has given their life. You know, as we observe the Lord's Supper today, some again wonder why Jesus had to die on the cross. Why did His blood have to be shed? Was it really necessary for God to send His only begotten Son to go through the pain, to go through the suffering, to go through the agony that He faced? And if we're to understand why Jesus had to go through all that he went through, we have to go back to the very beginning. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, animals were killed by God to provide clothing for them to cover their nakedness that they realized after they had sinned. So God had to shed blood because of the sin of mankind in order to cover their nakedness. As you remember, Cain and Abel, they brought, both brought sacrifices before the Lord. Cain's sacrifice was unacceptable with God because all he offered is some fruits and vegetables where Abel's sacrifice was accepted because he gave of the best of his flock by the shedding of blood. You remember after the flood, waters receded with Noah. You know, Noah sacrificed animals to God, you know, as a sacrificial offering. But it all goes back. It all goes back to when God had to kill that first animal and shed the blood to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. From that day forward, it would require an animal sacrifice to provide temporary covering for man's sin until that perfect and complete sacrifice would come on the scene, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, animal sacrifice was an important thing that was found throughout the Scripture because as Paul said in Hebrews 9 and 22, he said, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified by blood. For without the shedding of blood, he says, it's impossible for sins to be covered. Look, as time went on and God chose the nation of Israel as His special people, He commanded them to perform numerous sacrifices according to certain procedures that He laid down in His law. First of all, the animal had to be spotless. In other words, the animal that they sacrificed could have not have any blemishes whatsoever. You know, the, the animal sacrifices could have no fault. It could have no blemishes. It had to be perfect. It had to be the best, uh, the best that you had, the most perfect that you had you know jesus fulfilled this requirement as he came lived 33 and a half years on this earth not once did he sin he was perfect he was spotless so he filled that first requirement for a sacrifice 
The second thing is the person offering the sacrifice had to identify with the animal. You know, the animal being sacrificed, it must be belong to the person desiring a remission of their sin. They must have raised it or they must have purchased it. It had to have been theirs. You know, Jesus Christ, again, this requirement was filled as he was the son of the living God. So he fulfilled the second requirement of a sacrifice. The third requirement, the person offering the animal had to offer it for death. The animal had to be killed. And the person owning the animal had to agree to his throat being slashed and the blood spilling on the altar. In order to receive remission of the sin, they must be willing to allow their animal to be put to death. Jesus, again, he could have called 12 legions of angels, we're told, as he hung there on the cross to take him away, that his blood would not be shed. But because Jesus fulfilled the third requirement, death, he hung there on the cross until his heart beat, it, beat that last beat because he knew it was the only hope for redemption of mankind and them having their sins forgiven. When done in faith, this sacrifice with the animals provided a temporary covering of sins, why then do we no longer need Animal sacrifices today. Folks, animal sacrifices is ended because Jesus Christ was that ultimate and purpose, a perfect sacrifice. John the Baptist recognized this. If you'll remember when he was baptizing on the river that day, he had done baptize a number of people. And he looked up and the next person coming to him was who? Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what was his words? What was the words of John the Baptist? Behold! the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, John the Baptist, as he stood there and seen Jesus coming, he knew this is the one that we've been waiting on. After this one sheds his blood, there will be no more need for animal sacrifices. Yes, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Some may ask, well, why animals? You know, why? Animal lovers want to know. Why animals? You know, what in the world did these animals ever do wrong? And that's precisely the point, folks. The animals did no wrong. No wrong whatsoever. They died in the place of the one who was seeking remission of sin. They done nothing wrong. Jesus Christ did nothing wrong while he was here on the earth. Just like the animals. You know, Jesus Christ did no wrong, but he willingly gave himself to die for the sins of mankind. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, he said, who, Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. He willingly gave of himself. Jesus who knew no sin took our sin upon himself, and he died in our place. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become and experience the righteousness of God in him. You see, through faith in what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, the shedding of his innocent blood, we can now receive forgiveness of our sin. Not on a temporary thing like it was with the animals, but 
forgiveness throughout eternity. In summation, the animal sacrifices were commanded by God so that all, the men, all men could experience forgiveness of their sins. Again, the animal served as uh, simply a substitute as the animal died in the place of sinners, but again, only temporarily. Only temporarily. And that's why they had to make this offering sacrifice, you know, year after year after year. However, animal sacrifices stopped with the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was that ultimate sacrificial substitute. Once and for all. Once for all time. And now he's the mediator between God and mankind. The Old Testament animal sacrifices, what they did, folks, was foreshadowed Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. The entire Old Testament, every book of the Old Testament points toward the great sacrifice was that that was to come, that of Jesus Christ sacrificially giving his own life on our behalf. Again, Moses said in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, the life of the creature is in the blood. It's in the blood. And he says, I have given to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Whose blood is he talking about? The blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus was that supreme sacrifice of which the entire Old Testament pointed toward. And his sacrifice has made it possible, folks, for you and I to have forgiveness of our sin. You see, if you're still living with unforgiveness of your sin in your life, that's your fault. Because Jesus made it possible for you to have your sins forgiven. Forgiven. If we would only accept that blood sacrifice he made. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 14, he said these words, But Christ become, being come as a high priest for good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this world, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once, not every year, only once in the holy place, having attained eternal redemption. Not redemption just for a temporary basis, not redemption for just a year, but throughout eternity. For who? For us. For if the bull, uh, blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled uh, the, the unclean uh, sack. Uh, sanctified and to purify the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's Paul's words to us. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because he, his blood was spilled upon the altar, because his blood has gave a ransom for our sins, then what Paul says here is, you know, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. If you're here today and you've never accepted the blood of Jesus Christ into your life, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Paul is saying, look, you need to do this and you need to begin serving the living God. Excuse me, God. Paul in this passage confirms the symbolisms of the blood as life and applies this passage in Leviticus 17, 
to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12 clearly states that the Old Testament blood sacrifices were temporary and only, only atoned for sin partially and for a short time. But it must be, have been repeated year after year. But when Christ entered the most holy place, he did so to offer his own blood once, only once for all time, making future sacrifices unnecessary. Never again. Never again would blood have to be offered. You know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and his last words were, it is finished, folks, what he was talking about is no more blood sacrifices. This is it. This is it. No more sacrifices of bulls and goats and heifers. This blood that you see streaming down me, Jesus says. This blood that you see running down this cross. This blood that you see puddled up or at the bottom of the cross. It's the last blood that would need to be shed for the remission of sin of mankind. Wow. Do we truly understand what Jesus did for us that day? Only by accepting Jesus' blood shed on the cross for the remission of your, your sin can we stand before God one day covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that we'll have eternal life. Paul said to us, For he hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you've never been saved this morning, the Lord's Supper is not for you because the Lord's Supper is remembering the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And if you've never been saved, you haven't never, you, you haven't never experienced the blood and, and the body of Jesus Christ into your life spiritually. We're going to have just a short altar call here as the praise team sings this song, Sanctuary. Lord, prepare me.